This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish in the Anglican Church of North America in Houston, Texas. Find us online at holytrinityrec.org. Find us on Facebook as Holy Trinity Houston, and on Twitter and Instagram as Holy Trinity REC. Enjoy the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Be strong and show yourself a man. This exhortation to Solomon from his father David echoes similar words of God to Joshua before he entered the promised land to take the land in the name of God. Unfortunately, in the history of God's people to this point in time and after, it was rare to read of a ruler following in the faithful footsteps of their predecessor. Joshua, as we know, was an exception to that rule, as you read in his book, following the faithfulness of Moses in his leadership of God's people as they took the land. Usually, as we read scripture, a leader followed a faithful leader by destroying the work of his predecessor through unfaithfulness. David, as we know, spent the last 40 years as king and years before that in the service of King Saul and God to subdue the promised land from all their enemies. Both King Saul and King David, as we read, never allowed or promoted idolatry while they were king. Even though Saul, as we know, fell in his pride, David came forth after as king to lead the people to defeat the surrounding enemies. Now that the work was complete and everything was ripe for Solomon to take over with an established kingdom free from their enemies. This morning on this Sunday where we reflect on our belief and worship of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us reflect on David's charge to his son and all of us to face this world in the strength of our Savior. First, in verses 1 through 4, we must ask this question. What does it mean to be strong? In the world's way of thinking, strength means to stand in one's own power and might in their pride. Such, though, as we know, never lasts, as all people come to the end of their days through their deaths, leaving all that they earned, all that they were given in their lives behind. In the end, in terms of worldly strength, we all eventually fade and weaken. True strength is through Jesus Christ alone by his power and might that has saved us and preserves us as dear children forever. As Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. All we say and do in this life is through the strength of Christ. David's words to Solomon in this chapter to keep charge of the Lord your God in verse 3 speaks of the ruler's duty to lead the people in the service and worship of God. 
It was how they were to observe the law of the Lord in their lives and how they ruled the people. Solomon, just as David before him, was to serve God in his own life as an example to the Israelites. Even in David's grievous fall from grace, if you will, and his sins, he continued to lead through repentance and turning back to God, seeking God's forgiveness. Saul, as we know, when he was king, did not repent when he sinned, but continued in his pride. Now, it would be Solomon's call to keep this charge for his own life and for the lives of his people. We will see as this book reveals how Solomon responded. Chiefly as David lived his life, keeping the charge of the Lord is through humility. Verse 3 continues with what Solomon was encouraged to do. Walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, his testimonies, as is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. God's call upon his leaders required them to walk in his ways, to know the law of Moses, to know the word of God. Such a charge was to apply the word of God to all of life, from the smallest of the mundane to the greatest. Strength in God's kingdom is through the grace of God. We feed upon his word. We meditate upon his word all our days. From our lows to our highs, God's word must be at our forefront in life. Jesus is our light that keeps us from stumbling so that we may walk through this life, proclaiming his praises, his faith to the lost. The world sees this as weakness due to denying sinful urges. But really, it is strength in God that he sustains us in his power and might, rendering the strength of this world of no significance. This is what David was encouraging Solomon to submit to for his life, a life steeped in the word of God that relies on him for everything is key. As we have seen in our reading and preaching through these historic books of the Bible, even the greatest examples of men and women in terms of godliness and faithfulness still fell short of God's glory. We are no different. The only way, as we know, is through Christ. Where David and Solomon failed in this exhortation, Jesus Christ fulfilled the law perfectly without blemish, to save us in our weakness, to save us in our inabilities, to save us from our sin. The line found in this verse that you may prosper speaks of the blessings upon God's people and their obedience and their reliance upon him for everything. It was not a call towards personal prosperity as many today take this passage. It was a call with the leader in respect to his responsibility before God for God's people. If the later failed to live under the authority of God, under his law, everyone suffered. Too often we take a narrow view of these commandments to the tune of individualism. Yes, we are personally responsible before God, yet this personal responsibility is only valid within the body of Jesus Christ as members of his church. God calls us to a life within the body of the church, within the body of Christ. The same was true of Solomon. 
We have an obligation in Christ to one another through his love, through his unity in our worship. When these are neglected, the body suffers. David, toward the end of this section of exhortation to Solomon, relayed the promise God made to him earlier in his life. If your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. For Solomon, he experienced in his life up to this point two chilling examples of what it looked like for David's sons to not pay close attention to their way. Absalom and Adonijah promoting themselves pridefully to the throne of Israel before their father and above their father. All around him, Solomon saw examples of how not to walk in the way. And yet also all around him, he saw examples of how to walk in the way. His father, his faithful father, his father's loyalists that all walked in the way of the Lord. Solomon had plenty to learn from in the lives of those around him. Chiefly, this care and walking faithfully echoed the summary of the law that we read earlier today, to love God with all our heart and with all our soul. Such flows from the pinnacle of our lives in Jesus Christ, our worship. As we read in the psalm today in verse 5, O magnify the Lord our God and fall down before his footstool for he is holy. And in verse 9 of the psalm, O magnify the Lord our God and worship him upon his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. On this Trinity Sunday, we focus on the faith and worship of Almighty God, as is borne out in our lesson today in Revelation chapter 4, portraying heavenly worship. Solomon was given, as we will see in the next few chapters, all the materials and funding he needed by his, his father David, to build the temple, a temple for the worship of God. The temple, as we know, conveyed heavenly worship as our worship conveys. Worship of God together sustains us. It preserves us. It enables us to foster the fruit of the Spirit to accomplish our mission to love one another and to love even our enemies, constantly spreading the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. Next in verses 5 through 9, David instructed Solomon in some practical manners in order to show himself a man. Chiefly, showing oneself as a man or a woman of God is through service of him, to believe in him, to worship him above all else. David pointed out, though, three areas that needed to be taken care of for Solomon to establish the kingdom. The first issue was to deal with Joab, David's leader of the army. Joab, as we read in this lesson and recall from, first, from 2 Samuel, had proved repeatedly to be a treacherous man. Through murdering people, David had reconciled with in the name of peace. The last point was with Joab's support of Adonijah to be king while David still lived. Solomon's reign would be in jeopardy as long as Joab remained, thinking he was above discipline and the consequence for sin. Joab proved he could not be trusted. 
David told Solomon to deal with him according to his wisdom. Throughout his days, Joab acted with complete disregard for God's law, for God's anointed king. He only served himself. James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16 describes Joab and the dangers people of such a bent pose to God's people. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. To establish his kingdom, Solomon would need to excise parts that would spoil everything if left alone. The second area David counseled Solomon concerned a group of faithful supporters of David. First Kings chapter 2, verse 7 states, But deal loyally with the sons of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and let them be among those who eat at your table. For with such loyalty they met me when I fled from Absalom, your brother. In the time ahead after David passed away, Solomon would need faithful servants that would stand with him as the kingdom was established. Solomon could not serve as king alone. By his own power. As we've seen in this passage, he had to submit to God and he needed people faithful to God to be with him. Lastly, David instructed Solomon to deal with Shimei in his wisdom. Shimei, as we remember, had cursed David bitterly as David fled from Absalom with his servants. Even though David did not hold Shimei accountable after the rebellion ended, David now warned Solomon about this man. Again, as with Joab, Shimei could prove to be a threat to the kingdom. In the New Testament, we find stark warnings about those that go about to slander others, to curse others through evil words. The various epistles in the New Testament speak about the sins of the tongue and how they can destroy peace and unity in the church. Sins of the tongue, such as gossip and slander, are spoken of as just as dangerous and worthy of separation from God and eternal death as sins such as murder and sexual immorality. Shimei was too dangerous to leave to continue to sow discord. The call upon all of us in the church is to replace the vices of slander and gossip with the love of Christ, to encourage and build each other up. But such is only accomplished by the grace of God that helps us put sin away in repentance. And when such divisive sins meet a refusal to repent and to turn towards godliness, Holy Scripture speaks of turning such a way for the safety of God's people until the person is ready to repent, to amend their life. Solomon, if he wanted his, a king, his kingdom to be established, would need to remove these corrosive elements. He would need to heed the counsel of David, his father. Lastly, in this section of verses 10 through 12, we read, David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. David's life, as we have read in First and Second Samuel, was a life of faithfulness to God, a man after God's own heart. The Lord granted him 40 years of rule over his people. Now the kingdom was given to his son. 
Eighty years had passed since Israel first asked for a king at the beginning of 1 Samuel, and and Saul started to reign. It was 80 years of almost constant war against the enemies of God and his people that remained in and around the promised land. Now, with the enemies cleared, Solomon sat on the throne in a period of peace. As David conveyed to him earlier in this chapter, it was a great responsibility, and we will see what he did with that responsibility. May we as God's people on this Trinity Sunday recall our duty to love and serve the Lord in all we say and do in life, beginning with our presence together in Jesus Christ for worship. As we hear the long exhortation in a few minutes today for all of us to examine ourselves for areas of our lives that lack in faithfulness or areas of our lives ruled by sin, let us turn to the mercy of Jesus Christ alone, confessing our sins together, seeking his forgiveness, and living in the blessed state of being forgiven so that we now may continue to live as grateful children. Strength is not in worldly might, knowledge, politics, wisdom, academics, and so forth. Strength, true strength, is confessing our inability and weakness confessing our faith in Jesus Christ alone, that he is our only hope, that he is our Lord and King. Be strong and show yourself a man. Amen.